Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Untreated Media Podcast. This is episode 174. Josh is super slammed with work this week, and I completely understand, so our schedules just couldn't line up, so I'm just like, you know what, I'll just do solo this week, that's totally fine. And I, you know what, I haven't done a question and answer with you guys in a while, so I post a question on our various social medias, which you can always just find us at Uncharted Media. If you can't find us there, Media Uncharted, I'm trying to remember which one is which for some of our socials, they're a little mixed up. Uh, but I asked you some questions that you just wanted to hear me talk about on the pod, as well as some movie news and what I'm watching. So yeah, a little bit of a different episode, but nothing we haven't seen before. I, I hope you're doing well, listener at home. I, I hope you're doing well, uh, and we hope Josh will be back sometime next week. Uh, for me, I only watched one thing uh, between the past week's episode and now, and that is Werewolves Within. So this movie has been on my radar for a little bit of, I kind of had a similar experience with this as I did with Taika Waititi's uh, What We Do in the Shadows. In I saw a really funny trailer for the movie and then spent an inordinate amount of time trying to track down the movie with no luck. Uh, I did eventually find What We Do in the Shadows and my family video in college. Love What We Do in the Shadows. Werewolves Within, I was waiting forever for it to be available to rent somewhere. And it was only available for purchase for a really long time. And eventually it just popped up on Apple TV for like the weekend because they're doing like a Showtime trial. I checked it out. I've really enjoyed it. It's very much like um, like Clue if Clue was more of a horror comedy of very mile a minute dialogue that you, I don't think you're going to catch everything the first time around. Very quirky and interesting characters. I don't think it always excels at being a horror movie. It's not especially gruesome either. It was It's quirky fun. I would recommend it. And also, I was very surprised when I'm doing research for our video game adaptation episode that that actually is a video game adaptation. Werewolves Within is apparently based off a video game. I don't know what it's like. If it's anything like the movie, it's kind of like Among Us or whatever that game is that always has a different name depending on where you're playing it of someone's the killer and everyone has to kind of figure out who the killer is um but yeah if you haven't checked it out i would check out werewolves within if you can track it down so that out of the way let, let's get into some news because our first news topic is a little bit surprising However, I kind of want to reevaluate this news topic in a few weeks, and I I want to preface that by saying I have suspicions about something, but I don't feel like I want to talk about it yet for fear of spoiling other things. So what I'm talking about is John Watts, the director of the MCU Spider-Man trilogy, Spider-Man Homecoming, Far From Home, and No Way Home, was tapped to direct the new Marvel incarnation of the Fantastic Four, the long-awaited reboot of, okay, now that Marvel owns Fantastic Four, what are they going to do? I, when they first announced it, was a little disappointed because I, at the time, was coming off of Spider-Man Far From Home, which I didn't particularly like i like it more in hindsight now knowing the bigger picture but then no way home came out which is one of my favorite mc movies i've ever done it's my favorite spider-man movie i loved the story it wasn't just the cameos galore that made it great it was the overall story and the arc of oh this whole thing is spider-man's origin story so to speak so after seeing no way home i was super excited to see what he brings to the table for for fantastic four but then we didn't really hear anything for a while. We haven't heard casting. Uh, we haven't heard anything about the script. We just knew that John Watts was attached. Well, he's no longer attached, saying he has some superhero fatigue, which honestly, after seeing the critical, not the critical, the critics like them, the fan divide that his MCU Spider-Man movies caused, I do not blame him in the slightest for wanting to step away. You always have very opinionated people, and rightly so. Spider-Man's a character that's near dear to a lot of people. They didn't always love the decisions that John Watts made. Now, I don't know how much of that was his choices, how much of that was Sony's choices. Um, but people were a little mixed on his Spider-Mans. I initially thought okay, yeah, this seems right. I can understand why he'd be burnt out. But he's working on some other stuff. 
So whether he's just burnt out on fan pressure and expectations, or there's some other factors coming into play here that, again, I'll talk about at a later date if, if the train of thought is on the right track, so to speak. Um, I am bummed to hear about this just because unless they have somebody lined up immediately, this might get the movie delayed, and I'm still kind of holding out hope that it's July 4th weekend, 2024, because that just makes so much sense with Fantastic Four. Um, but John Watts also was not used to, before the Spider-Man movies, having big budget blockbusters put on his shoulders. He came from an indie film background, which is awesome. So I don't... I'm not saying that that's not part of the reason why he quit, but also, the more I think about it, there's some other factors that I'm going... Something smells a bit off here. Now, I would not be surprised if John Watts comes back. Both John Watts and Kevin Feige both issued public statements saying that they would love to work with Watts again and that they value the, the work that he's done so far in the MCU and they hope to bring him back at some point down the line. I completely agree. He was great. Maybe... I don't know what projects could be out there. Maybe he could direct an X-Men movie at some point because we know they're coming sooner rather than later, probably. So that gets me thinking. Now that we are without a director for Fantastic Four, we're back to the drawing board. Who do we want to direct it? Not I know everyone and their mother's got a Fantastic Four fan cast with, you know, that one name above every other name in terms of the fan casting for who they want for Mr. Fantastic. Don't worry, guys. I'm kind of in the same camp of I want him too, and I I would like it to happen very much, but we'll just kind of have to wait and see if that ends up happening. Taking the actual cast aside, who do I think should direct the Fantastic Four now that John Watts is out of the picture? I have four candidates here. The first is the one that is everyone's, like, if Vegas betting odds took on... Um, MCU castings, it would be this guy, John Krasinski. It seems like everyone wants John Krasinski to be Mr. Fantastic as well as direct it. And I'm not going to lie. I I could go either way. I really want him to direct it. But if he doesn't direct it, it's not the end of the world for me. I just really, really like his A Quiet Place movies. And I think he's proving to be a phenomenal director. So I very much like to see what he does with Fantastic Four. That being said, he's not the be-all, end-all for Fantastic Four. If they announce some other name, I would be okay with that. I'd be willing to give him a shot so long as it's... it's As long as it's still a name that makes sense. It's not like Kevin Feige's going to go, Michael Bay, you want to tackle Fantastic Four for us? Thanks, buddy. Uh, but John Krasinski is a top choice for me. Another top choice is Peyton Reed, the guy that directed the first two Ant-Man movies, I believe is also finishing out his trilogy and doing Ant-Man Quantumania, which is now getting moved up. Uh, the Marvels and Captain... Uh, the Marvels and Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania swapped release dates for some reason, so now that's coming out sooner. Maybe that frees him up to work on this sooner? I'm not sure. But I say Peyton Reed because Peyton Reed himself has been championing to do a Fantastic Four movie for a really long time, even before John Watts was brought on to direct it. Peyton Reed was very much just like... I want to do Fantastic Four. I want to do Fantastic Four. I think this could be a great idea. Uh, I I just really like Fantastic Four. I want to make it a period piece and make them actually Marvel's first family set in the past and then maybe they got trapped in the quantum realm or something. Quantumania, so to speak. Uh, I think he's a very strong contender. I was kind of on the fence about his directorial possibilities just because I think the Ant-Man movies are, are fine. They're not my favorite, but they're fine. However... After seeing the season two finale of The Mandalorian, which Peyton Reed directed, I'm much more on board with this casting. I thought that episode, not just because of the um, the big guy showing up, I thought that episode really excelled and from a storytelling perspective. So I would be really interested in that. Another name that I'm not seeing a lot of people floating out there, but I would very much like it, is Matthew Vaughn, who did X-Men First Class. He did the Kingsman movies. The Kingsman movies may be what kind of puts him out of the running as after that first one was awesome. They've kind of steadily had less and less of a box office. And The Kingsman was such an utterly disappointing movie, both financially and artistically, at least in my mind. If you liked it, awesome. Good for you. Um, so I don't know if that like completely rules him out. But when it comes to 
superhero reboots, I don't think you can ever fully discount Matthew Vaughn from the conversation because his name's been attached to uh, a Superman reboot at one point or another. He was pitching for that. Uh, he was obviously involved with X-Men First Class. I think Matthew Vaughn's name could be in the conversation somewhere. However, the Dark Horse, it will never happen. But if it does, I will rejoice in the streets because it's been something I've been calling for just as much as the John Krasinski directing it and being Mr. Fantastic is Brad Bird to direct Fantastic Four. Brad Bird, the man behind The Incredibles, Ratatouille, The Iron Giant, the masterpiece that that is. And then Tomorrowland, we don't talk about Tomorrowland, but um, uh, Brad Bird also did Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. I love Brad Bird as a director, both live action and animated. Yeah, not all. He doesn't bat a thousand, but no director does. He's already in the Disney family. He's already got experience both in live action epics as well as animated superhero movies. Meld the two together. I think he'd be great for Fantastic Four. I just don't think that that's going to be a big enough name to hook in casual audiences. Be like, oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. As opposed to like a John Krasinski, which if you're just going off of headlines, who's going to be the bigger draw for the casual movie fan? Brad Bird directing Fantastic Four or John Krasinski directing Fantastic Four. I'm not saying one is better than the other. I just have my preference of if it came down to me, I go Brad Bird starring John Krasinski. But if Krasinski's starring in it, I wouldn't be surprised if he's like, no, no, no. I want to direct it too. And my wife should be the Invisible Woman. I'm less like I need that to happen. Then some other people, like, I think it'd be cool if John Krasinski and Emily Blunt were Mr. and Mrs. Fantastic. But at the same time, if it's only him, I'm fine with that, too. Um, I'll, I'll, I'm taking the wait-and-see approach for a lot of this, which should come as no surprise. I'm disappointed to see John Watts go, but I'm curious about the possibilities. And also, again, expect a replacement rather soon for this. And when we do getting an actual replacement for the director role i feel like depending on who that pick is then i can kind of talk about what i'm what i'm thinking in the back of my brain here which is always dangerous as you should know by now well next up is some late breaking news on the day that i'm recording this at least um so that is viola davis is going to be returning to the character of amanda waller for a peacemaker spin-off series on HBO Max, to which I'm just going, oh, so we're getting a spin-off of the spin-off. All right, I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world. I'm also thinking, is this the show that James Gunn was referring to? Because in the last few episodes of Peacemaker, uh, leading up to the finale, fans asked him on Twitter, she's like, are you doing more stuff with DC? Are you doing more stuff with HBO Max? And he's like, yes, there's... We're thinking about doing another show involving another character from the Suicide Squad. Uh, I put my money on Ratcatcher just because uh, that was a central character of the Suicide Squad. There's not a whole lot of backstory to that character that you're like hard and fast to. You can have some flexibility with it. Uh, but Amanda Waller is an interesting one. I don't see it being an Amanda Waller origin story, but I wouldn't completely rule it out either i think it's interesting that viola davis is coming back i think that's great i love her amanda waller both in suicide squad and the suicide squad she will also be brought back as an executive producer on the show so i wouldn't be surprised if she's more hands-on in the creative process if i had to put money on it i think the name brand suicide squad is dead because the first one got some mixed reception to it the suicide squad as much as this is my favorite dc movie so far in the dceu it flopped colossally uh blame it on the pandemic blame it on confusion over the original movie blame it on the day and date release whatever you want to blame it on it as great as the movie is it bombed financially at the box office so i wouldn't be surprised if the name the suicide squad is a little bit tarnished for the time being however if you want to take the character of Amanda Waller and still kind of have the basic premise of the Suicide Squad of a group of individuals go on special government-assigned missions, 
there's an app for that, so to speak. The Secret Six. It's different than from the Sinister Six, unfortunately. Uh, but the Secret Six is essentially just that. Amanda Waller sends people out on missions. This was never confirmed by anybody, especially James Gunn. He's just like, no, that's wild, rampant speculation. But there was talk for a little bit of Bane being introduced in Peacemaker. Obviously, that never happened. It's probably for the best. But you know, Bane was a member of the Secret Six at one point or another. Obviously, you can probably change up the roster here. I wouldn't be surprised if they're ditching the name Suicide Squad for a bit and they're migrating over to a Secret Six show. And then James Gunn can kind of handpick the people that are in the Secret Six, whether it's Vigilante, Peacemaker, um, throw in a couple other oddball names. Hey, they mentioned Batmite. Throw in Batmite to a Secret Six show. I would absolutely love it. Just just do it. Um, I think this is interesting. I'm very much okay with it. I also find it interesting that they announced this. While well, we'll talk about it a little bit here. Everything else with the name DC on it is more or less marked for death if you're not already in active production. So... Are we just going to continue on with the James Gunn stuff, which is probably a smart idea because it's one of those things that actually got really well received by critics and audiences. Unfortunately, it didn't do well financially at the box office, but if you put it just to HBO Max, not a bad idea, I don't think. So my money's on Secret Six. However, I would not be surprised if it's an Amanda Waller show, but I don't see that as likely just like her being the main character maybe it's like uh we weave in some narratives about her and Adebayo uh and the kind of awkward family dynamic there because spoiler alert for Peacemaker for those that didn't watch it excuse me uh for those that didn't watch it Adebayo basically kind of ruined her mom's life at the end of Peacemaker exposing everything so we said it after that What's the fallout of that? Clearly, there can't be a Suicide Squad anymore. Maybe Waller does something completely off books to try and still get people under her thumb. A lot of interesting possibilities here. I'm just happy to see Viola Davis is coming back. I think she's a phenomenal talent. Um, I trust James Gunn a lot. Just bring back John Cena whenever capacity it is because that man was fantastic in Peacemaker. And I would like to see more of the world that James Gunn was clearly fleshing out even if it was just full of random obscure references i i appreciated it well speaking of dc shows and dc projects that may have a shaky ground going forward the wonder twins movie yeah remember that thing that was supposedly coming well it's now been canceled and i can't say i'm really gonna miss it However, I think this kind of marks some bigger shifts in direction going forward that I'm sure people are going to be divided about because this is not the only DC-related thing. It's just the the high-profile movie that got officially canceled. So at the around the same time that the Wonder Twins movie got canceled, we also got announcements that Batwoman was going to be canceled after, I think it's either three or four seasons. I think it was three seasons and it wouldn't be getting a fourth. And then Legends of Tomorrow would also be canceled. Legends of Tomorrow is less shocking to me because that was on for like seven years. Um, so as far as I know, the only shows left. Oh, Naomi also. I th- no, Naomi is staying, I believe. Um, so we still get Stargirl, Naomi, Superman and Lois, and The Flash. I think that's about it. I have been saying for a little bit that I fully intend for warner brothers discovery to pull out of cw entirely we've talked about it on the show before we have a whole separate news topic about it cw has been bleeding money for warner brothers for a really really long time so i would not be surprised if they try and just go okay the popular shows that people are responding to those you just need to go to hbo max some of them are already more or less hbo max shows to begin with superman and lois is not a CW show. It's an HBO Max finance show that just happens to air on CW. That's why the visual effects are better. That's why the writing is better and less CWE. Uh, it still has a little bit of that, but it feels so drastically different from The Flash and everything else. Um, but getting back to the Wonder Twins, this is a smart idea. This was already on Shaking Ground to begin with of people going, really? We can't get Man of Steel 2. 
but we can get a Wonder Twins movie. We can't get a Green Lantern show or movie, but we can get a Wonder Twins movie. I think this is further confirmation of some stuff that we've been hearing that Warner Brothers Discovery wants to basically scrap anything and start with a clean slate and really focus on the core characters first before fleshing out into the obscure characters, which is a mixed bag because one, that's a really smart idea, really solid strategy. They want to reintroduce Superman. Good. They want to reuse and bring back Green Lantern. Good. But for those of us that have been waiting for a Nightwing movie, it just means we're probably going to have to kick that rock further down the street and wait a little bit longer because looking at some of the stuff that got announced a while back that has made like no progress, I would not be surprised gets cut by the wayside. You've got stuff like the Gotham Knights TV show that was supposed to air on CW. That was supposed to be filming soon. Uh, they had casted some roles, but not all of them yet. I expect that to fully get canceled. The Green Lantern show. I have not heard anything about that except for some castings here and there. Um, there's a few people cast, but other than that, there's been no forward progress on that. I would not be surprised if they scrap that at all and just go, this huge, massive world of Green Lantern, why don't we turn that into a movie universe? Because I know the previous, I don't want to say, yeah, previous administration, so to speak, was very reticent to use the Green Lantern universe because they're just like, well... The Ryan Reynolds one failed, so that means audiences don't want to see a Green Lantern movie. I'm going, that's that's not the case. If you make a good land, good Green Lantern movie, people will go out to see it. Um, you also get projects like Justice League Dark, which I feel like genuinely has been in production hell for close to a decade. <laughs> production hell. Okay, I, I make myself laugh. Um, but stuff like Zatanna has a writer and director, but there's been no forward progress on that. And of course, if we're talking about DC projects with no forward progress in recent memory, we got to talk about the Nightwing movie. I think all of these projects go on by the wayside. The Cyborg movie, I felt like that got abandoned a while ago anyway. But all those projects probably shelved for the time being, and then they'll reevaluate. Okay, we want to do a Superman movie, we want to do a Green Lantern core movie, we want to focus on our core cast of DC properties that people might recognize, then we'll branch off. Uh, Blue Beetle is still safe because that's pretty far in pre-production. So, thank goodness. Uh, Static Shock? Um, I could go either way. I would like to say that they'll still make the Static Shock movie just for Josh's sake. And my sake too, I like Static Shock. But I'm less confident that it's sticking around now than I was a few weeks ago. Um... Uh, Again, I trust Warner Bros. Discovery's direction going forward. This is a smart move, getting rid of Wonder Twins. And as much as it sucks currently of some stuff getting canceled, some of these projects was basically poop or get off the pot. Like, they've been in production for too long. We need to either do something with these. Starting fresh may suck, but it's probably best for the brand in the long term. And David Zaslav very much seems like he plays the long game. He doesn't want to just get momentary victories. He wants to play the long game, so to speak. Not, oh, this one movie did well. I think he's thinking grand epic universe, so to speak, more than anything else. I, I expect more cancellations to come soon. These next few months for DC are going to be very, very interesting, and I still refuse to give up hope that Henry Cavill will return. I think we just need to get past this Flash movie. This Flash movie, I don't even think they know what they're doing with it. I know they want the Flash to reset the timeline or everything. I think we don't really have a whole lot of stuff coming out post the Flash now with their time slot. Not time slot, with their schedule. After the Flash, I think they'll just be like, okay, the Flash... That didn't reboot anything. That just closed the loop, so to speak. From here on out, we're just going to completely fresh slate. We're starting over, new everything. We'll see if that's actually what they end up doing, but the next few months for DC are going to be very interesting for sure. I, I still have faith. I have more faith than I did now than a few months ago, and I really trust the direction of our current leadership. But But we shall see. I've been wrong before. Last up for our news topics today, we have news and updates on the Quiet Place spinoff movie uh, that they briefly talked about at CinemaCon last week. So 
Josh and I didn't get a chance to talk about this last week because um, it was on the last day of CinemaCon. We were finishing up coverage on Monday through Wednesday. We released our episode Thursday when everything else was happening. But they unveiled the new title for A Quiet Place, the spinoff. And I'm not going to lie. I wasn't uber interested in it, except for the director, who we'll talk about here in a little bit. But the name makes me more interested. The spinoff is set to be called A Quiet Place, Day One. Okay, I that title's perfect. I immediately know where you're taking the story of the origin of everything going on. We saw a little bit of it in A Quiet Place Part 2 of the world just going mad. The the things, whatever we're calling them. We, it's implied that they're aliens, but we never get full explanation of what their origin is. So maybe that's the direction we take with this. That being said, I don't really want a full... Okay, here's the exposition dump. These guys came from another planet that they conquered, a completely silent planet. Now they want to completely make our planet silent and wipe us all out. Like, I don't need a full exposition here, but I would like and would be fascinated with a movie where people realize, oh, silence is the only way to survive. Follow a new couple. As much as I like the Abbott family a lot in both movies... I think it's more interesting seeing the other families in the other parts of the world. I loved the implied universe that's set up right down to the very first Acquired Place when um, Lee Abbott is on top of the silo and he's setting off a little flame, like a little um, beacon. <laughs> the beacons are lit and the Abbots call for aid. Uh, so to speak. And you see off in the distance all these other beacons being lit, implying, okay, there are other people out there. We just don't communicate with them because it's not safe. It's safer to be in smaller groups and hunker down individually than have large gatherings where noise is easier to make and be a disturbance and cause attention to yourself. I think it'd be very interesting to see the early days of this, of a new family realizing, oh, we've got aliens with us now and i maybe it's picking and choosing certain elements from the original that's making me curious but i would love if we got a new family that doesn't have a baby but they've got like a small toddler that's like two or three years old that doesn't fully comprehend the world around them that they need to take care of and be responsible for that baby in that first one created such fascinating dramatic tension and to a certain extent in the second one, just not as much for me, that I would really like to see that explored a little bit more with a new family, a new dynamic. Uh, maybe it's just one person. Last of Us this, I don't care. Um, or don't make it to Last of Us because we're going to actually have a Last of Us TV show. I just love A Quiet Place Universe a lot, and I'm really curious to see the direction that they go. I'm also super on board because of who John Krasinski picked to do the spinoff. John Krasinski, I believe, is still writing this movie, but he will not be directing it, which is which is fine. He might be busy doing some other projects, but uh, we don't know that. It's just some speculation out there. Um, the guy doing this new Quiet Place spinoff is the same guy that did Nicolas Cage's Pig, which for those that didn't see it, is honestly one of Nick Cage's best performances ever. I believe the director's name is Michael Sarnowski. He is a really talented director, and the style of Pig, while it's a very different movie than A Quiet Place, I can see the tone being very similar in a very somber, serious movie as, as a reflection on the power of grief and loss on an individual. That is a theme that fits for both Pig and A Quiet Place. Just cast Nicolas Cage, please. I would love to see Nicolas Cage as a broken, weary traveler that has lost his family to an alien and realizes, oh, there's really no hope out there. He's just a straggler going from day to day. Um, I just want Nicolas Cage and more things. Unbearable Weight and Massive Talent was great, and I hope it starts the cage just like we're in the middle of the Brendesance with Brendan Fraser. Um, I'm excited for this spinoff. I don't know if it'll be as good as the original. That being said, I don't need it to be. The original was just something really, really special, 
and I just want to continue to live in that world. Yes, it's a very heavy world, but I enjoy the dramatic tension that's built up. It's so well done. Granted, I didn't like the second one as much as the first, but with a fresh set of eyes, maybe this could bring new life to the franchise. Well, as always, this week's episode is sponsored by TeePublic, your one-stop shop for all your Uncharted Media merch needs, whether it's uh, t-shirts, sweatshirts, notepads, stickers, whatever your heart desires with the Uncharted Media logo on it. That's where you can get it, and it really helps out the show. As always, subscribe to the YouTube channel or subscribe wherever you're getting your audio platforms on, whether it's Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. It really helps us out. Uh, make sure to subscribe on YouTube. I'm going to remind you again. We're trying to get to 700 subscribers before the end of the year. You can help us get there. Now, let me take your questions, shall we? We had some really good ones and some really random ones. Also, I was texting Josh about some Q&A stuff. And I wanted him to give me some questions. He was busy with work. That's totally fine. But I did give him the caveat. And thankfully, we don't have any of that today. No questions about Darth Jar Jar. That always comes up whenever we do a Q&A. Josh's brother's always just like, y'all gonna talk about that theory out there that the Jar Jar is really a Sith Lord? I'm like, Ben, we will never talk about Darth Jar Jar. If, okay, if we get to 700 subscribers on YouTube before the end of the year, we will talk about Darth Jar Jar on the podcast. Does that sound okay, Ben? That's my promise to you there. But... Don't count on it, buddy. So let's get into some actual questions, shall we? First up, somebody wanted to know my thoughts on the secrets of Dumbledore. I'm not going to watch it. I'm not one of those people that's just like boycotting the movie for, well, they took out Johnny Depp, so I'm not going to see it. I'm like, yes, it's unjust that they took him out, but they're leaving Amber Heard in Aquaman, and they just are totally fine ignoring Amber Heard, even though she clearly has messed up issues. They both should be off movie sets for a while. I know that's horrible to say because everyone's really on Johnny Depp's side. I'm just like from the from a pure PR standpoint, both of them should be off movie sets for a while just to figure this whole situation out. Then studios can go forward accordingly. That being said, that has nothing to do with my experience with Secrets of Dumbledore. I'm not watching it because I didn't like the last one. I hated Crimes of Grindelwald with a fiery passion. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I hated it so, so much. And so my experience with movies is, if I didn't like the last one, and he didn't hook me enough to get me interested in this one, I'm not going to see your movie. Like, at least with Jurassic World Dominion, the trailers have looked good, and I'm interested in how they're going to cap this off. The trailers didn't win me over for Secrets of Dumbledore. It, the trailers seem to further show off some issues that I've already had with this franchise of, I've never understood or didn't get the sense that these Fantastic Beast movies know what story they want to tell or what direction they want to go. At least with Harry Potter, it was a very clear roadmap of, okay, the end goal is Harry versus Voldemort once and for all. This, it feels like they're making it movie per movie, which is not the formula that you should be doing when you have this big saga. It's the same problem that the sequel trilogy had. You need to know where you're going. And with each passing Wizarding World movie, it feels like they know less and less. Each movie feels like a course correction for the last one, which is not how you want to go. You don't want to be DC. Oh, wait, you're both run by Warner Brothers, so that makes a whole lot of sense. It's just, I'm not saying Secrets of Dumbledore. I maybe will watch it when it comes on HBO Max, but even then, it's not very high on my priority list just because I don't feel like I'm interested in it. The first Fantastic Beast was just okay, and with each passing one, my interest is just waned more and more. But, uh, no, I'm not seeing Secrets of Dumbledore. Next up, will Moon Knight get a second season? I could go either way with this one. I'm leaning towards no. It won't, but we won't see the last of Moon Knight. I lean towards no because aside from Loki, we haven't gotten multiple seasons of Marvel shows so far. WandaVision, clearly meant to be a limited series. Now, granted, I'm recording this podcast episode before the final episode of Moon Knight comes out. For all I know, Moon Knight could end with Moon Knight will return in Moon Knight Season 2. Who knows? But WandaVision was a limited series, one season only. Loki is getting a Season 2, but we didn't know that at the time. 
Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, Falcon Winter Soldier. That only got one season, but that also got upgraded to movie status. So we're not getting a second season of that. Hawkeye. I was curious if they're going to make a season two for Hawkeye just because um, when Jeremy Renner was on Hot Ones, the greatest interview show of all time, Hot Ones is fantastic. Um, Sean Evans introduced him by saying the star of Hawkeye season one. Sean Evans doesn't normally make slip-ups like that. So whether he said something he wasn't supposed to or he just made a mistake, I don't know. But as far as we know, we're not getting a second season of Hawkeye. I don't think we're getting a second season of Moon Knight. However, I don't think that'll be the last we see of Conchu and Mark Spector and Stephen Grant. Um, the other one, which I guarantee you we're going to see in the finale. Um, I'm hoping for like... Moon Knight to team up with Ghost Rider or Blade or even Doctor Strange, some of the other darker mystical elements out there. I, I just don't see this being the finale of the character. It'll probably be the finale of the show before he gets properly introduced into the MCU down the road for like a dark. Now, Dark Avengers is the evil version of the Avengers, but like a, a Justice League dark, so to speak, of Avengers characters. I'm sure that that exists. It's like the hell. No, it's not Hellfire Club. That's X-Men. Um. I'm sure someone in the comments will let me know. And they're just screaming at me like, how don't you know this? Uh, I just pretend to be a Marvel expert. I don't actually, I'm not actually one. Um, also, they cast Oscar Isaac. You don't just throw away Oscar Isaac after six hours after using him. No, you keep him around forever because he's Oscar freaking Isaac. Come on, man. He's the best. Uh, what movies did you like better after the second viewing? Okay, some of these are going to be obvious, and some of them might surprise you. Um, Inception, I liked a lot better the second time around, primarily because I knew what was happening. I watched Inception twice in about the span of like three days. I watched it with one group of friends on like Friday, and then another group of friends like Saturday or Sunday. Watching it the second time going, oh, okay, yeah, now I know what's happening a whole lot better. It's just, it works a lot better in that regard. Here's where I'm going to surprise some people. A very, very recent movie that I thought was just... It was fine the first time I watched it. The Batman. Matt Reeves is The Batman. I thought it was just fine the first time I watched it. I love it the second time around. I think the issues that I had with the first time are significantly less issues the second time I watched it. I didn't particularly care for the Falcone stuff, but watching it on the second time going okay, this fits a little better in the narrative than I was thinking the first time around. It's still not my favorite part of the movie. I think it slows down quite a bit whenever we're talking about the Falcone stuff, but I don't mind it nearly as much. And also, the ending, I think, has more weight when I'm watching it a second time, understanding more the thematic elements of hope and realizing you can't just be vengeance, you need to be something more. Um, and seeing him rescue all the people, that's a beautiful ending uh another one that's one of my favorite halloween themed movies of all time that i didn't like the first time i watched it and i think it's because the fans of this movie know to go into this movie with different expectations than other movies in this franchise and i'm of course talking about halloween 3 season of the witch it was one of the last halloween movies i watched in the series like i watched them all out of order i watched one, two, um, four, H2O, five, six, like all kinds of out of order. But I always avoided Halloween three because I knew going into it, hey, this is the one that doesn't have Michael Myers in it. So I'm like, okay, it's it's gonna be weird. I watched it the first time, I'm like, the heck is this? This is just bizarre. So I stayed away from it for quite a few years. I come back to it. Oh, huh, I come into it with a different mindset going, okay, don't watch this as a Halloween movie, take out Halloween 3 and just watch it as a movie called Season of the Witch, and I enjoy it a whole heck of a lot better. It plays like a really twisted episode of The Twilight Zone, so to speak, of uh, bizarre plot twists, bizarre story elements, but I think that's part of the charm of it. Do not watch it as a Halloween movie. Watch it as something completely separate, and I really, really enjoy it to the point of it's, I think, probably the most underrated in the franchise. Its biggest sin being 
it's not really a Halloween movie. They just tried to market it that because John Carpenter wanted to make other seasonal movies like around different holidays. And this one bombed, which led to Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. But first time watching Halloween 3, didn't like it. Now, I can't go a single year without watching it. It's one of my favorite Halloween themed movies. Just it's it's very Halloweeny in nature in terms of the holiday, not the actual franchise. It's probably the most Halloween of all the Halloween movies, if, if that makes any sense. Uh, next, this is a fun question. I really like this one. Which director is poised for a massive breakout? I'm going to go with the director that I checked on IMDb. I believe only has one directorial credit so far. So far. And that is Michael Sarnowski, who I talked about earlier with A Quiet Place uh, Day One, the, the spinoff. Michael Sarnowski just recently did Pig, starring Nicolas Cage. And I'm still mad that Nicolas Cage was not nominated for Best Actor. His performance in Pig is so good. But the directorial savvy from Sarnowski is so good. Like, it felt like someone that's been doing this a lot longer than his IMDb credits suggest and he's got a quiet place day one coming up so he's got the chance to show that pig was not a fluke he's been giving a slightly bigger budget i think he's a name to watch out for i was trying to think of some other names but a lot of the names that i was thinking of are names that are becoming big and popular now like if this is a few years ago i'd have been like oh robert eggers and ari aster then they did Midsommar and the Northman. And I feel like people know those names. You can't say like Jordan Peele anymore because he came out of the gate swinging with Get Out. Um, so I'll go with Michael Sarnowski. If you haven't seen Pig, check it out. It's really, really good. And it's going to be very different than what you're expecting. If you're watching the trailers going, oh, so it's just John Wick with Nicolas Cage and it's a revenge story. No, it's a story about grief and loss. And it's beautiful. Uh, which film has the best sound design? So I could not narrow it down to just one and also this is the one category that i feel like i'm going to be missing some key movies so feel free to yell at me in the comments but um robert eggers the lighthouse that sound design made me so uncomfortable and added to the paranoia of the movie so well cinematography is great but the ominous repetitive sound design like right off the bat you get the shot of the, the two main characters basically your only two characters and you get the ominous lighthouse horn for a lot of the movie that's slowly driving you as an audience insane. I, I just really dug the sound design for the lighthouse. It really worked for me. Uh, goes without saying, the first Jurassic Park. Just, come on. The bass rumbling your entire house or your whole sound system whenever the the whenever the jurassic i know words i know my dinosaurs i was a dinosaur kid clearly i did have a dinosaur face who didn't uh when the tyrannosaurus comes up for the first time and your sound system's just rocking but come on tell me you can't just immediately recognize the sound of the tyrannosaurus roar for the first time like ah that's creative and terrifying as a sound it's, it's so cool how they came up with it i think that's fantastic sound design talk about sound obviously we've mentioned it quite a few times on today's episode uh a quiet place the whole movie's based around sound it, it of course it does sound so well whether it is the the creatures that kind of sound like clickers from the last of us um right down to the little things that they've got uh i've never jumped so high seeing a gas can lamp tip over like that, they make that deafening because everything else is so quiet, but the sound design is so well done. I I just, mm, a quiet place, chef's kiss. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road, goes without saying, that is that is rock and roll on a massive screen. That's, that's all it is. The engines, fantastic sound design. You've got a dude with a flaming guitar. Why not? Fantastic sound design. Junkie XL score. Mm, even if it's copying a little bit from some Marvel movies, it's... That's a whole thing. Uh, and then obviously, the big contender. Take your pick of a Star Wars movie. Ben Burt did a fantastic job with all the Star Wars sound design. Uh, some of the iconic sounds that you hear are so good. The blaster fire. Star Wars is just the best when it comes to sound design because you hear any sound and you can just tell. That's a Star Wars sound with it's a blaster, lightsaber, the roar of a TIE fighter going past. That Tell me the roar of a TIE fighter doesn't sound like a pissed off Wookiee. They kind of sound similar to me. Now, get that out of your head. 
yeah, Star Wars to me will always be the GOAT when it comes to best sound design. Oh boy. What are your future plans for the channel and how can your subscribers help? Well, you could subscribe first of all to help us get to 700 subscribers. That way we can talk about Darth Jar Jar on the podcast. I'm sticking to that, Ben. Um, if you like any of the stuff that we do, any podcast episodes, any of the individual news episodes we push out, any movie reviews, share those. Comment. Um, I always like reading your guys' comments. I always try and respond to any of the comments you guys post. If they're within reason, if you're just random gibberish, because that happens, uh, I'm not going to respond to that. But comment. Share. If you know people that you think like movies, share us with them. Help us invade their lives. We want to control your friends' brains when it comes to movies. We are going to take over the world someday. I'm going to say that in the nicest way possible. <laughs> but besides that, how can we help? If you want anything Uncharted Media related, it's on the T Public site. Now, I've shielded enough for myself. That's all. I'm I'm really bad about promoting myself, and I think that's 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 a whole separate topic that we can talk about on a later day. But the first half of this, what are your future plans for the channel? So here's where I can peel back the curtain a little bit, and here's where you guys again can help me. I want you guys to hold me accountable for some stuff. There is stuff that I would like to do, both on the podcast and on the channel, that I would like to do. It's just finding the motivation to do it. Like, I would like to do more pitches. Uh, the first one I ever did was how episode 8 could work and then how episode 9 could work a few years after that. Uh, I still think Disney should have gone with my ideas. You're welcome, Disney. Uh, I enjoy doing those a lot. Josh and I will sometimes do it on the podcast, whether it's uh, rebooting the classic Universal Monsters, fixing the DCEU, doing our own storylines. We enjoy doing that a lot. I'm going to speak for Josh here because I, I know he's a creative person. He likes to write as well. Um, my favorite video that I've ever done on the channel and probably one of the most successful videos we've ever done is my pitching a Nightwing movie video. I bring that up because I want you guys to hold me accountable to this. I want to finish that someday. Not talking about that specific video. That is one movie. My brain up here, and I won't need to get it out someday, has that story envisioned in three parts. You guys have only heard the first part of it. I have a whole trilogy of that that I would like to do a sequel to that someday. I want to pitch a Nightwing sequel and then pitch a, tri a Nightwing trilogy capper some point. Uh that is in various stages of development when it comes to me writing out the ideas because that first one i really enjoyed it but it took so long because i'm so meticulous with the story of like i wanted it everything to be coherent and check out and when it comes to mapping out a trilogy i need to go okay i need to set up enough stuff in the second one that it pays off in the third one and introduce characters in the second one that they're not going to be completely introduced out of the blue in the third one that means this that and the other thing and I get my own head with stuff. I'm sure people that are creative kind of have the same issues. And also, I I wish wash a lot between finishing my Nightwing trilogy or being content with the one Nightwing video and moving on to someone else, pitching a Superman movie. I have thought about doing that forever because I have talked about for so long, I want Henry Cavill back as Superman. I want this. I want this. I've wanted to put my money where my mouth is and go, okay, People seem to think Superman's a hard character to write. How would I do it if I'm the one in the writer's chair? I just need to get the motivation to do that. So let me know if you guys actually would be interested in more of those pitches or if you think I'm just wasting my time. Uh, I want to do more movie reviews. I should have a Doctor Strange review sometime this week. I'm seeing it opening night. Uh, I want to do more of those. Maybe some retro reviews. I'm still kind of on the fence about that. Uh, uh, concept that I floated to Josh before that I think it'd be super fun. It's just trying to think of how we could implement it is something that I call one small change, in which case we talk about borderline bad or downright bad movies. And we make one small change to that thing that could radically change the whole movie. Like my go-to example is always one small change for Spider-Man three, take out the symbiote suit, make it just Harry and the Sandman. That fixes a lot of the problems with Spider-Man 3 because you don't have Venom. You don't have emo Spider-Man. Sandman is an interesting enough villain on his own 
then you still have that revenge subplot happening with Harry. Take out that one detail and the whole movie changes. So something like that for one small change. And I guess that comes back to pitches, so to speak. Uh, can you tell I just like the creative writing process without actually having to write, so to speak? Um, and then I kind of want to keep expanding the reach of the podcast. And I think part of the way to do that is either have people on, but I would also like to be on other people's podcasts. So if you know of anybody that has a podcast or has a movie-related podcast that's looking for people to guest star on every once in a while, I kind of want to help get the brand out there a little bit more. I think I'm knowledgeable, but I can only know that if I'm on someone else's show, so to speak, of like, I could just be talking to myself in the void here, like I am right now. I'll never know if I'm not constantly interacting with somebody else. That makes sense. So yeah, more pitches, maybe someday finishing out that Nightwing trilogy, a Superman movie, um, more movie reviews, just more random project than besides just the podcast. Cause that, this is relatively easy to run every week. There's still a lot of production that goes into it, but this is easier to do than like doing videos from scratch, so to speak, if that, if that makes sense. Next up, we're going away from movies for a bit and we're talking about theme parks. So this is going to get a little inside baseball here. So, just hang with me, guys. Uh, if you can replace any land at any theme park with the IP of your choice, intellectual property, so movie or TV stuff, uh, which IP and land would you pick? And user, Ivan, you make it difficult for me, don't you? Um, what if you couldn't build completely from scratch and had to use the existing infrastructure and ride designs? So that, that narrowed it down a little bit more for me, which I both love and hate. So thanks for that. Um, so it's not like I could just take this section of land at Disney and be like, all right, just flatten it, start over. Um, my first thought, and I'm sure there's going to be some people that disagree with me, and that's fine. That's nothing new for me. First order of business, start over on Galaxy's Edge. You done goof the first time. I know people like it. That is totally cool if you like Galaxy's Edge. If I made Galaxy's Edge, keep the rides that we have just retheme them to something else and also for the Millennium Falcon ride have more than one possible combination but the big thing that I would change with Galaxy's Edge more than anything else why did we set it on a planet that we've never been to in Star Wars before Batu no one cares about it's so generic looking because they want it to just be able to slot anywhere in the Star Wars timeline there's already been talks that they're moving away from the sequel trilogy in that area and Focusing on the Mandalorian, I'm going, you know, because Mandalorian spent so much time on Batu. Uh, Galaxy's Edge should have been from the get-go, and I'll maintain it again here. It should have just been Tatooine. I know Kathleen Kennedy shot that down when they were building it. They're like, Tatooine represents the past. Really? Is that why every generation of Star Wars has to go to Tatooine at some point or another? It just makes sense. It, it, there's so much history to that place. Um, even if you don't do Tatooine, Naboo, there's so many other interesting places that already exist in Star Wars. I don't get why we had to completely create a new thing that's super, super generic. And there's this disconnect comparing it to like the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. When you visit that, that's a place that exists in Harry Potter canon that you've seen in the movies. The details are precise. They paid such great attention to detail. And I'm not disparaging any of the creators that went into building Galaxy's Edge. They're trying their absolute best, but it doesn't feel Star Wars-y. There's this disconnect there of going, this feels vaguely familiar, but it's not like when I'm in the Wizarding World going, wow, I recognize that. That's exactly how it's supposed to be. That's exactly how it's supposed to be. Minus the whole weird cardboard rule. I I still have some grudges from when I worked in the Wizarding World. Loved it, but they've got some weird rules, just so you know. Uh, Galaxy's Edge has always frustrated me. There's some good rides there on paper, but it Galaxy's Edge is not made for Star Wars fans, unfortunately. It is made for high-class consumers, which is Disney in a nutshell nowadays. Uh, this will also never happen. If I'm picking on Disney, I got to pick on Universal for a little bit. Uh, there's a Simpsons area, and I'm already getting a whole bunch of people screaming at me, no, don't you touch my Simpsons. I get it, but your Simpsons might be doomed soon anyway because uh, that theme park contract runs up in a few years. Disney could just go, hey, we would like that back. We don't have any plans for it. We just don't want you to have it. So 
here's where I'm going to go way outside the box for this. The Simpsons ride replaced a Hall of Fame level ride in Back to the Future. Now, I know both Disney and Universal like current IP. So that's why you're seeing a lot of things in Universal, especially being replaced with newer attractions like Shrek just closed and is being replaced with the Minions attraction more than likely. So they wouldn't resurrect Back to the Future because it's an older property. But it's an iconic property. Bring back Back to the Future, the ride, and make the entire Simpsons land Hill Valley. Like, instead of Moe's or the, um, yeah, it's Moe's, the giant cafeteria in there, make that Cafe 80s from Back to the Future 2, uh, or just the cafe and all of them. I think that would be so cool, and retro is popular right now. Back to the Future never goes out of style. That's a lasting franchise. You still have E.T., well, granted, that's a whole situation in and of itself if E.T. can't leave, but... Bring back Back to the Future, have a whole Hill Valley, and that whole like old school Americana can be right next door to Men in Black, which lampoons that very concept in and of itself with the World's Fair um, Expo facade in front of it. I think those two could blend together really, really well. Just blue sky thinking there. Uh, and then the other the universal one that I would scrap entirely, but it's a little more complicated, is Toon Lagoon. That is... The one place that whenever Heather and I go to Universal or whenever we're with anybody in Universal, we just walk straight through it. We basically make a beeline from Jurassic Park to Marvel without, like, looking. It's like, go, nope, nope, we have the horse blinders on. Nope, nothing here. Just keep walking, keep walking until there's an interesting thing again. Because Toon Lagoon is just not. It's a big footprint in the park that I think could be used for something. It's just a matter of what. Because there's not, looking at the specifics for this question of you can't build from build from scratch and you have to use what's already there what's already there in toon lagoon is a log flume ride a river rapids ride a kitty play area and a theater that's been closed for a while so the theater can easily be turned into something i'm not sure what um but yeah something uh, something water related i don't know what water properties could be interesting but if we have to follow the rules i just want toon lagoon gone it's a waste in the park i almost put lost continent also at universal but that only has a stage show now because dueling dragons got turned into haggards and that's you know, a completely separate land now simbad's is closed and has been for a while that's the only thing there there's been oh wait no there's there's that other one that walkthrough attraction no thanks that has a big footprint, but just turn that into Lord of the Rings or Legend of Zelda. I don't care at this point. Lost. I love you, Universal, but Lost Continent, we know you did that just to spite Disney for Beast of the Kingdom, which that's a whole separate discussion. Do you have aspirations? Back to back to movie talk. Thank you for indulging me in the theme park um, talk there, the, the chop talk, so to speak. Do you have aspirations to direct or produce films in the future? Um, yes and no. So, mm, maybe around the same time that I started the podcast here with Josh, I got an idea in my head for a short film that's just been stewing forever, and it's my own laziness and not wanting to get off my butt and actually just film the thing. And also, like anybody else, I'm afraid of, well, I've got this big grandiose idea in my head. What if I can't execute it to my own standards and everyone hates it? Yeah, if you're a creative person or just a regular person, you absolutely know what that feels like. Uh, I've had this idea forever. So that's about the extent of what I would like to do. But I would like to shoot more stuff. The job that I'm at currently, I love my job a lot. But I edit. I enjoy editing as well as camera stuff. I also run the video board on the weekend. I enjoy that too. But there are times that I miss having a camera in my hands. So maybe down the road, I will get back to shooting some stuff. I'll be honest, when Josh was here a few months ago, when we went to Horror Nights together and we did that um, Horror Nights video, that was some of the most fun I've done in a long time. I miss shooting stuff and editing it together in video form. So I don't know. This question kind of gets me back to it of, 
I, I should film stuff more again. I enjoy it. I enjoy the editing stuff. I enjoy editing a lot, but I also like getting my hands dirty and getting the shots that I will be editing down the road, so to speak. But the main goal, getting back to the questions, you have aspirations to direct or produce. I would someday, it's top of my bucket list. I want to submit a short film to a film festival. Doesn't have to be anything fancy. I have some short horror film ideas that I would like to do that would be super easy to shoot. Um, like no budget at all. It's just me finding the motivation to actually get it done. But yes, I do want to actually shoot some stuff, specifically some short films. That That is on my mind. What are the benefits of film school after graduation? Don't know. Didn't go to film school. I'm not qualified to speak on such a topic. <laughs> um, however, I know some people that have gone to film school. I've known some people that didn't. There's pros and cons to both. I think it a lot of what it is nowadays with film or video production in general, you can self-teach yourself a lot. Yes, I learned some stuff quite a bit in college, but a lot of what I've learned from video production or live event production, I've taught myself or I've learned on the job in an actual job setting. Like if you're interested in something, teach yourself. There's so many resources out there. YouTube is just fantastic. I'm trying to teach myself now how to be better at Photoshop. I've got very base level skills. And also, I want to learn After Effects. Those resources are available for free. It's super easy, barely an inconvenience to learn things. So I don't know if film school is as important. But again, take that with a grain of salt that I did not go to film school. Uh, it was offered at my college. It was freaking expensive. So I switched my concentration to television production instead that ended up working out just fine i love what i do now it's great um what video editing software do you use i use the adobe suite so all the graphics are done in photoshop uh all the editing stuff both for the podcast that's done in premiere i've looked at davinci resolve before but i'm just too stuck stuck in my ways i use premiere at work i use premiere here um i think it's more of just like since i use premiere at work I would just like to keep using Premiere here as well. That way I can stay on top of it both personally and professionally and just kind of keep getting better at that. I know there's other stuff like Avid uh, or DaVinci Resolve, but I just stick to Premiere as much as it gets on my nerves at times. Maybe that can be a whole separate thing someday of showing you the prep that goes into an episode of the podcast and just kind of what is that like from the notes to the graphics to the recording and everything else? If you're interested, if not totally fine. It's the nerd sweaty stuff that I care about. Do you have any favorite foreign films? Um, I am sure there are, but none come to mind immediately off the bat. Um, yeah, I'm apparently an uncultured American. I cannot think of any off the top of my head. I'm sure there are that I really enjoy, but I, Oh, the raid. Does that, that counts, right? Yeah. The raid is fantastic. Um, I would just need to think about it more. <laughs> and I've had a little bit of time to think about these, but I don't know. What's your favorite foreign film? That's how you get out of that situation. And last up, what next technological intervention are you hoping to see integrated into movie theaters? Dear God, not 3D. I'll tell you that much. I'm so worried about the upcoming Avatar The Way of Water. Just because the first Avatar, they're just like, Oh, that movie did well in 3D. Everything could be 3D now. Oh, the new Avatar's coming out. All right, everything should have 3D again. I'm going, that's not the lesson to be learned here. Um, when it comes to technological advances that I would like to see, better projectors with better resolution and color. This is where the uber sweaty in me comes to the forefront, but hey, y'all asked for this. Why we have not standardized 4K frustrates me so much. Uh, we have so many films that are just still in 2K. I understand that the, the visual effects aspect of it, of like CG is freaking hard and has a lot of render time with 4k i get it but at the same time like not as cgi heavy movies like why are we still essentially showing movies at 2k we can do so much better than this i think just the theater experience 
as much as going to the theater is one of, if not my favorite things to do, it's my preferred way of seeing a movie. It needs to get closer to what we can get at home. Like, as much as I loved seeing the Batman in a Dolby theater, it sounds horrible, but it wasn't the same as when I got to watch it at home. And yes, the sound was better in the theater. You got the whole Atmos system. You got sounds above you. You got like a whole crap ton of speakers. But at home, it's got the better color balance, the better... uh saturation the better resolution it's theaters just i get that you're low on cash right now but i i just would like an improvement to the overall video quality that's presented in theaters they've done everything in their power to improve the way that you watch it from like the nice reclining seats um nice spacing between the seat and the aisle so you don't have to like do the the fight club reference of like Butter groin, which is it going to be when you walk past somebody? Like, you can actually have some distance when you're walking past somebody. I I just would like a better actual physical display on the screen in front of me. And I know some people are like, oh, like, Dolby. I'm like, yeah, I get that. But it still feels like it's coming off of a projector. And that, to be fair, I don't know projector technology. But I always feel like the quality... The video quality, not the sound quality, but the video quality, it's just so much better when I watch something at home. I would like to see 4K become more of a standardized thing. Um, also, I just, I know it's more expensive, but I would like to go back to more practical stuff. You still see it from time to time. We saw some set pictures of some aliens in Guardians 3, and those are practical effects. I'm going, I like practical. So, the future technologies that I would like to see are the old technologies the backwards the old school technologies make that cool again uh and just overall continue to improve the the movie going experience not just so much are you comfortable when you're watching the movie is this the prime way of viewing this movie is this the best way to go no not 3d kill 3d kill it with fire um but yeah any technological advances you guys would like to see well that's all the questions you guys had for me i always like doing q a's with you guys you always bring up some really interesting questions and make me think um but if you have any other questions hit me up in any social medias instagram twitter facebook um comment on youtube videos again comment on stuff share us force us upon your fellow movie fans um that anybody that you think might be interested in some movie news or just random ramblings of two random crazy guys point us in their direction we will convert them to the dark side well josh is he's much better at convincing people i'm i'm just here i just talk i'm not the best convincer of things <laughs> but what do you guys think any other questions you have i always like hearing from you guys and as always if you like what you hear and you want to hear more subscribe to some whatever audio platform you're listening to it's on it's itunes spotify google Podcasts, or youtube and if you haven't already subscribed to us on YouTube, help us get to 700 subscribers. That way, Ben can hear about Darth Jar Jar. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.